back. It's uh, a quarter past 10 on uh, SAFM. So uh, I don't know whether you read the president's letters uh, that come. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, every, is it every Monday? Uh, but one of the letters that the president wrote, uh, uh, in fact, it's the one that is uh, uh, for this week. And he says, dear fellow South Africans, when I was elected, this is last year, when I was elected to the position of president of the republic, I said that building an efficient and capable and ethical state free from corruption was among my foremost priority. He goes on to say only a capable and efficient and ethical and developmental orientated state can deliver the on the commitment to improve the lives of people in this country. This means, according to the president, that the public service must be staffed by men and women who are professional, who are skilled, who are selfless. This was in 2021. We also know that, of course, and I close quotes, we also know that uh, the president went uh, to the Zondo Commission uh, last year and spoke very much uh, around the issue of CADA depo- deployment and what that means uh, to uh, the the ruling party. So, you know, it's quite fascinating that Public Service and Administration Minister Ayanda Lodlo has now welcomed the strategic partnership between the World Economic Forum and the National School of Government. The World Economic Forum is supporting public sector initiatives and is providing strategic intelligence which will be used by advisors and researchers and content creators amongst others to boost their work efforts. So we invited Professor Busani Ngaweni who's the head of uh, the National School of uh, Government to talk to us on this. Prof, good morning. Thank you so much uh, for your time. So I I mean, it is the very government that unprofessionalized public service. How now, what now should we read into this uh, latest initiative to professionalize the public uh, service? Good morning. Uh, good morning, KG, and thanks for the opportunity. Maybe <clears throat> to begin with, I must indicate that the state is an organization like many other organizations in, in life, in, in private, including the family, the church, uh, private organizations. The state as an organization evolves. It goes through many, you know, epochs where it evolves, and those uh, changes that take place will be influenced by what is happening outside in, in society. So in different societies, when the you know, society is experiencing a particular change, the state needs to change in response to what is happening in, in society. So where we are as South Africa today, there is public pressure uh, from society for the state that in whatever measures that have been taken in the past to professionalize it, that those now need to be faster and they must bear some results. Results that should be seen and felt by the citizens. By this, I mean, if you, KG, as a citizen, 15 years ago, if you went to home affairs to apply for an ID, most likely you would have struggled to get your ID on time and even accurate. You probably would have massacred your name or your surname. You could have captured one number wrong in your in your bed state, and you end up having to go back to home affairs to queue because your ID number details are, are wrong. If you go to Home Affairs uh, today, given the amount of professionalization and the streamlining of business processes, you will definitely get your ID 
within 15 days, including your passport, and it's most likely going to be correct, all the details contained therein. And I'm using this from a first uh, example deliberately because many people went through this harrowing experience over 15 or so years ago. Daily newspapers were writing about the horrors that were experienced at home affairs. Today, you get an SMS, you know exactly when you are likely going to get your ID because the entire side process cycle of producing an ID and a passport has been messed up. The men and women who work at home affairs know exactly what it means to produce an ID within 15 days uh, or, or, or so. Now, the challenge then for other government departments is to do exactly the same because citizens go through these harrowing experiences precisely because there might be a lack of you know, skills in a particular department. The business processes have not been properly mapped out so that you know when you have made an application, when are you likely to receive a response and that the whole, the entire back office is streamlined such that it is known that when KG appears today, have an interaction with the front line, or even if you're doing it online, or even if you're doing it on the call center, the result must be predictable because behind the entire process has been streamlined. So yeah. professionalizing the public service is not just about having the most qualified of people, it's also about having people who have a, a correct attitude of serving the people, but also the entire process processes must be mapped out so the citizens know what to expect and what to yeah. expect. I, I like, Prof, that uh, you know you, you put the home affairs analogy as your example to preempt our discussion because a lot of people could also still say to you, specifically when you speak of home affairs, and I know you made an example, uh, that you know the very example that you just made that references challenges from 15 years ago, depending on which home affairs you go to, in which area, and whether it's an urban or rural setting, uh, you know, some changes still haven't been effected. And a lot of people will say it is because the recruitment process in the first place is not merit-based, and that is part of the challenge. How do then do we inculcate the process of merit-based recruitment and appointments within the public service sector to make sure that there are measurable outcomes that we as citizens uh, can also be privy to? Yeah, yes. Uh, you know, this is a, an important question, so let me start it this way. The processes of producing an ID is already mapped out and it is automated. Mm -hmm. Because it is built the way it is and its quality assured, it means Busani or KG cannot interfere with what happens in, in, the, in, in the system. It means no one can remove a document or, or mistakenly or deliberately photocopy whatever documents are. It is very bad. Therefore, you can't complete the process of producing an ID because there are details that are unclear, because someone, there was a human factor in the entire production of this, uh, of, of this, uh, of this ID. Now, that is important, and if you did the same for many government services, you will then be producing a system where people can predict what happens and you remit the, 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 the interference, errors, and so on by humans. Mm. Now, we are raising another critical question, which is, but the service is not the same depending on where you go. Mm. That is actually correct. That is why then in many instances, even if the system is automated, is working very fine, but the, the service you receive from the first person you interact with is what may make you not want to go back to that office. 
There are home affairs offices, and I'm sorry we use this example because at least everybody has to have an ID uh, in, the, in their life. If you go to Randbeck, part of the reason why Randbeck and Central offices are overcrowded is because there's a perception that those offices are more efficient than others. Mm. So the challenge of those who manage other offices, people come from Randfontein to, to come to Randbeck to apply for a passport. The reason they do that is because there's a perception that the offices there are not as efficient. That is why then in professionalizing the, the services, you have to deal with a few things. At trip entry, you have to filter and narrow the eye of the needle. So to filter the people who must come into the system, those who are prepared to serve, and that you get the best of the best in society to come and serve in the public service. How do you do that? How you write the job descriptions has got to be specific, and you must attract the new type of skills that you are looking for, and not attract the people who are issue for Gwandabagaban. So you, are, you issue an advert, and you can tell that in the job profile you are looking for someone who says it's a bandu affairs 40 years ago. You have to be specific even in the advert about how, who are looking for. And part of the proposal we are making in the professionalization framework is that there is still intervention that must occur, mm. such as having everybody write integrity tests. You know, at the SIU, to work there, you must write an integrity test. To be a DG, I never wrote any integrity test. Mm. Now, yes, it's true, you can have people who pass these tests they end up in the system, but what it does, it does filter it's that narrow so that you, you put a funnel and get the, the right people inside. So a yeah. combination of, and then there has to be other tests. In government, you do what is called a generic assessment. So we are tested generically. Mm. We are not tested specifically. So the argument is that there has to be an occupation-specific examination that must be written. Most of our senior managers, as the National School of Government now, for two years, we have not the compulsory examination that everybody who wants to work in the public service must write is calling you care. There is nobody who's been employed since one April twenty twenty to be a senior manager who never wrote Mugela in the national and provincial government department. And now we are want to take into other spheres of government and other organs uh, of state as well. But yeah. attitude is the first thing that matters the most. You can have the best skills in the world. If you don't treat the citizens with care as required by the Constitution, then we are in the wrong place if you work in the public sector. And how do you, what does the framework say in terms of how you measure that care? Uh, because you say, uh, you know, you can have the best skills in the world, but if you are not uh, equipped in servicing uh, the public with care, then you shouldn't be there. How then does, the, how then does that care get measured? Well, the, 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 uh, let me make an example uh, of a story I was told uh, uh, about the Steve Bigo Hospital here in Pretoria. We were told there that patient experience when they go to Steve Bigo Hospital in Pretoria differs. First change is differences. They don't like going to Steve Bigo because they were never, they felt that they were not treated fairly by the security guard all the way up to the reception. And you can imagine it's a big hospital, so you mm. go through many hands before you even see a medical practitioner. Yeah. They will dislike the experience from when they enter up to where they meet the, the, the health practitioner. And remember, they spend more time uh, waiting before they even see the medical practitioner. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were argument was these are unprofessional. These people are unprofessional because they felt that they were not treating them correctly. Once they have met a medical practitioner, they will say, I want to go back to this big hospital because those medical practitioners are professionals. So here is KG going to one facility of the state, have two different outcomes and feelings about degrees of professionalism. 
And those patients still go back because they say they call reason why I got there, at least I got to be assistant. Mm. We have to change it and measure it by how are the public expected to be treated. But who feel treated things are very clear. You have to, in, in fact, I like the, the in, but in Singapore, but to be the principal is one line. In, in hospice, in the healthcare sector, there's one line. Mm-hmm. Will, you treat, will you treat this patient the same way you will treat your mother? Wow. That is a question. That is how they treat the conscience of a health worker in, the, in, in Singapore. And you must ask the same everywhere else. Mm. So, Minister for many years in the police, has been lamenting the fact that women come to report the TPV issues, that the, the questions they, they are being asked are very uncomfortable. Mm. The issue is, will, will the same police officer ask they ask the same question to their mother, if it was their mother or sister, who presented themselves to report a case of, uh, of, sexual, of, sexual, of sexual assault. That is what then it means to serve you know, according to the battlefield principle. Yeah. Don't treat any sort of citizen in a manner that you wouldn't change your own mind. Yeah. Perhaps I go back to the framework that uh, you you are uh, putting on the table. Uh, you know, wh- what are the marked sort of differences in the framework that you are putting on the table compared to what currently exists in government? Oh, yeah. There are actually uh, some game changers in the framework that we are putting together. For example, we are proposing that there has to be integrity tests or examinations that must be done by people entering the service. Today, it is only in the police and the SIU and very limited spaces where you do an integrity test. It's an important filter. It narrows the research. Secondly, we are proposing at senior management level, you must write an occupation-based examination. The fact that you have a law degree or even engineering degree does not make you the best or the most suitable engineer. We are then asking that there must be occupation-based examination that must take place there, in addition to the new care the government exam that you are, that is already happening. We are also asking that onboarding and induction is very critical. UKG, you could end up working in government as a head of communication. You were not taken to an induction and onboarding process. As a head of communication in a government department, you are, you, are, you are a line manager, there is a budget you must do, you must do an APP for your chief directorate and so on. You will not be able to have a person effectively operating that space unless you give proper onboarding and, the, and, and induction when they enter when they enter the service. So all of these are happening at, at pre-entry as well as at entry immediately because that is where you must set, set the field. And of course, the issues of qualifications are now key. Managing the state is a very complex thing. You can't do it by common sense. Mm. Hence our argument that you must go back to the simulator and it must be compulsory that like pilots who are expected to return to the simulator on regular intervals, public servants must do so. Mm. Because South African public, that is all they deserve. They deserve the best from us who are serving in the public service. And given the complexity, the needs that are changing all the time, we must ourselves return to the simulator. And in this instance, as a result school of government, we are the simulator, also working with other, you know, higher education institutions as our as our as our, as our partners in general. Okay. We kind of a public service where we've studied anything for 25 years. 
Yeah. It's not right. Yeah. Uh, l- l- let's pause our conversation, uh, Prof, because I need to go to uh, news headlines. And by the way, let me also invite my callers. If you want to uh, ask uh, Professor Busani Ngaweni, head of the National School of Government, uh, a question, please do so. Call us on 011-714-2006. And whether or not you believe the public service can be redefined, can be professionalized uh, after 28 years or so of it uh, you know, being far, What's, what some people would say being far from being the highly professionalized engine that we need for it to be as South African citizens. It's 10.31, news headlines now, and Musa standing by. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. Welcome back. Uh, we are in conversation with Professor uh, Busani Ngaweni, who is the head of the National School of Government, because Public Service and Administration Minister uh, Ayanda Lolo welcomed the strategic partnership that's uh, between the World Economic Forum and the National School of Government. The WEF is going to support public sector initiatives and provide strategic intelligence, which will be used by advisors, researchers, and content creators, amongst others, to boost their work efforts. And uh, hence, we're talking about this uh, with uh, the prof. And if you want to join in on the conversation, please call on 011-714-2006. That's 011-714-2006. I think let's start with a question from Makosonke in uh, Jablani. Good morning, Makosonke. Good morning, KG. How are you? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm well, thank you, Makosonke. Yes, I just want to find out from your guest that um, would he say the subconscious minds of officials are healthy to provide the the expectations that they're expecting from them. The reason why I ask you that, I was in the corporate sector, and, and, and specifically, I started my career in, in, in the retail sector where they had problems with stock loss and, 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 and profitability, which uh, 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 I had to deal with they address what the challenges that were in their subconscious mind and eventually managed to drop the stock loss from um, um, high percentage to 0.26% the first time around. But the mere fact that I've had an understanding that 90% of the contribution is in the mind of, 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 of um, whoever that you deal with. So now 10% is actually what they're actually doing. So I just want to understand from them that, uh, and I can, and I do welcome the fact that they are having inter- uh, international intervention and stuff like that. But one thing for sure, what I've learned is that as long as you don't address the subconscious mind of whoever you're dealing with or whoever you are leading, you're not going to get 100% of their contribution. So I just want to understand if they are doing anything around that, because as long as they're not doing that, they're not going to achieve any results that they actually aiming to achieve. Hmm. That's interesting. I hope you heard that, Prof. Yes, yes. It is really an, an, an interesting one. And that is why, as a school of government, in the programs we do, especially for senior managers, executive managers, as well as politicians, because we do train politicians, we do ask the question, why are you here? Hmm. If you haven't understood and internalized the reason why you are here, it then becomes difficult. If you are a sales not a person in a in a fast moving you know consumer good environment. You are there to sell but the sole purpose is to sell butter because you want to increase market share mm-hmm. and that you want everybody to buy this 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 butter. So how you negotiate the location of the fridge of your butter 
in a supermarket is driven by the purpose of why you are there. Mm. And so in the public service, when we ask this question, because some of these principles do apply, it's precisely so that we can prick the conscience of a public rep, a mayor, a, a minister, an MP, a councillor, a DG, or a, a board member. Why are you here? Mm. If you understand why you are there, therefore you must know that you must serve as hey, the reason and the purpose of your existence there. If you are there to double deep on the system because you are earning a salary, at the same time you want to arrange incentives for your sister, brother, your girlfriend, and what have you, then you spend half of your time trying to trick the trying to trick the trying the to system. trick the system. Yeah. But look, you are already on the system. That is why these filters we are, we are proposing at a pre-entry are critical so that those who enter the system are those who really want to become an engineer in the water service sector, in the public service, so that the public can drink uh, tap water and they know that this is clean water and it is safe uh, uh, to drink. If you are there because there was no other job, age then it become the challenge. We know, though, Prof, that uh, the public service is uh, public service sector is beset uh, by corruption uh, to the highest level. Uh, throughout the course of our conversation, you've referenced, uh, you know, these integrity tests that should be done prior to uh, appointments, but. What would these integrity tests uh, entail? And I think to a large extent, the issue of the integrity tests can also be tied to what the caller was saying about checking the subconscious minds of people who get hired to uh, work in, in, in the public sector. Because how do you know at scanning time uh, before somebody gets employed whether or not they have integrity? Well, so maybe let us use the private sector shortly as an example because some of these principles are unique, are mm. ought, to be, ought, to be, ought to be universal. So what do you do? You people, first with a job description, it must be clear. If you use a job description of 40 years ago, you are attracting people who used to work and have a mentality of serving in Bandu affairs. That's the first thing. So it must be a job description that is looking for the skills of today, that will help the state deliver services effectively and efficiently and conscientiously as the first caller was saying because we are serving the people, we are serving the, the public. Mm, mm. Then we have a battery of assessments that are helping. Many countries in the world, in India, in China, even countries in Europe, they've got this government as pre-entry exams. They are a filter to make sure that the people who come into the system, they go to the system based on merit, as well as the correct attitude and aptitude. The attitude of wanting to be there to serve and they choose a public service as a, as a, as a career where they, they will you know, grow, professionalize, and meet all their career um, career aspirations. And you filter those so that they don't go through the system, those who don't belong there, because they are there for other reasons other than wanting to, to, serve, to, serve, the, to, to serve the public. So those filters are very critical. Just as you can't take me because I can speak English and say I must be a radio host because I'm probably going to be speaking for 90% of the time and people will never be able to say anything those who are supposed to call mm. and watch or watch whatever. Or I could be tempted to do other stuff and maybe recite you know, poetry. And that is why then mm -hmm. these assessments are happening. Even in the private sector, people do think that a degree is not the, the, first, the alpha and the omega. There are other things we're looking for in terms of your orientation, your personality, your aspirations. 
And those are the field targets we are proposing that should be on the system. That is why in the private sector, they can actually get a finance clerk who grows up to becoming a, you know, a CFO because they, they, their recruitment selection processes was you know, transparent, was rigorous, but also the professionalization part mm. was very clear. I was reading in the newspaper that the CFO of the CEO of Clicks used to be a clerk. There yeah. was a part that was followed up to becoming a, a CEO. And if a state becomes a learning organization, it means that it opens up opportunities for people to know that I can come at the end level in the next seven years, I will move mm. to this level and I will exit at a much uh, higher level. Yeah, uh, but part of the challenge of the state is uh, its politicization, is it not? Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, the clicks example that you just made is fantastic because it, it means somebody can grow from the bottom. Part of the challenge that the state is facing is that is that issue that we spoke about of CADA deployment, where somebody does not necessarily need to rise from the bottom. They can come in at the top and they may not even have the attributes that that, uh, uh, the state requires. How does the state then make sure uh, that it becomes that learning organization uh, that that you're referencing uh, the, the 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 clicks example on, where you know it it allows for growth within and inside uh, public service organizations? Well, with the professionalization framework, if it is approved uh, uh, by cabinet in a manner in which it is advantage that we have taken it to cabinets already, so we, we are we're taking what we are doing is that by, by cabinets. We are not just um, starting it, so we've got full political support and political... Yes, yes, of course. Even, even the mandating part itself currently did write in its own manifesto that you must work towards building a meritocratic uh, public service, so we've got at least political support. If this framework is uh, approved and implemented, it is true that there will be cadre deployment in future. However, you, you can only, if you have a power as a minister or any other position to appoint and want to appoint a cadre, that cadre must meet the minimum requirements as mm. the framework, which mm. means if you have to appoint a cadre as, a, as an advisor, the question will be, does the person meet the minimum requirements? Yeah. Cadre deployment is a universal is a universal practice. However, however, in many countries of in the world, the reason it is not as a, as problematic as it is here is that there are minimum standards set regardless of your closeness to a particular political uh, principle. By the way, on the question around politicism to politicize the, the state, one of the proposals we are making is to extend the tenure of directors general and HOD to minimum of 10 years. Currently, the tenure is about three years. Mm. I can tell you, people who are acting in private sector, in public, even in NGOs, even in registration, they never make decisions because they are acting. Yes. They are temporary there. That is why we are saying, if you stabilize the, the cadre of the, you know, the leadership in the state, in municipalities, and so on, you can make examples of, uh, I mean, I signed an MOU in the city of Cape Town recently. And I was looking at the profile. Some of the people holding executive positions in the city of Cape Town, you can see they've been consistent, they've been there over time, and you can tell that, in fact, when they're able to do certain things as opposed to other metros, 
where there has been inconsistencies because people spend two years and there's a new manager. So it means every two years you are learning something new. Mm. Imagine what happens to the administration. So the framework is saying what has been said by the Public Service Commission, the National Planning Commission, and many others that you must stabilize the political uh, uh, administrative interface and establish that the vision the president is the one who manage the career incident of HOT, just as in the provinces. Mm, Provincial mm. DG is the one who manages the career incident of HOD. It can't be that you employ HODs to, to, to manage multi-billion rent and you have recruited them, them through a rigorous process and then you only give them two years. In yeah. the second year, they will be looking for jobs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have a caller, but I want to ask you, what, what have been uh, the enrollments at the National School of Government like in the last year? And particularly, uh, you know, the enrollments that you have in the New Gala program? Uh, yeah, New Gala is doing very well, uh, actually. Uh, I mean, if there was time, we could say a lot about it and why it has happened. In fact, so you can the, you can explain uh, what New Gala okay. is and 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 uh, and why it's doing well. So New Gala is a pre-entry program. You can do it as a public servant or as a, a private citizen. Anyone qualifies to do New Gala. It's a pre-entry exam into senior management service. So it's positions of director and beyond. Mm. Even if you are already a director in government, it is compulsory for you to do your gala if you are applying for a chief director position. Mm. Even if you've been a DDG, you want to become a DG, you have to apply for, for your gala. Now, in public administration, which means national and provincial government departments, there is only 10,000 senior management positions out of 1.1 million people. Only less than you know, 10,000 are actually those of SMS. The numbers are phenomenal in the sense that the pilots began, uh, you know, up in 2019, 2020, up to April, but it was not a, a compulsory. Mm. The 1st of April, it became compulsory in 2020. We recorded uh, in the year 2020, 2021 at 11,000, and up to December last year, we were recording up to 9,000 people in just one year. So in the, the numbers are being reconciled. Mm. We're also looking at the completion rate. And our about our year year end is the thirty first of thirty um, first of, of, of March. Now it's it's incredible that we are doing analytics now to check who are people who are doing yoga, how many are from outside the state, how many are from inside the state. But what we know is that there is ninety nine percent compliance, which means public administration has responded to Nugela by making sure that nobody is appointed into a senior management position without writing that pre-entry exam. Yeah. There are other causes that are actually compulsory that we have. Our the cause doing very well right now is called the ethics, you know, in the public service. We are now sitting at over 29,000 uh, up from 2000, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, up from 2002 years ago. Now, it's, a, it's an important one, the cause of ethics, because as I said, if we treat public service like pilots, mm and we return them to the, to the simulator all the time. Even if you already have got a PhD in ethics, you are now in the public service. There are laws and regulations that apply within the system. There are expectations of how you must perform and behave. There is Batupila principle as well as the Chapter 195 of the Constitution. What the ethics course does is that it helps you navigate what I call moral temptations and ethical dilemmas. So a simple thing like you, KG, taking a stapler home, it is only later that you will realize that, in fact, you are not entitled to take a stapler home. Mm. It is true that it's true you brought it there, 
It's true you were not stealing it, but were you entitled to taking it home? Remember that you might take it. I can take a stapler home. The security guard will probably not stop me, mm. but they will probably stop my PA if she took the stapler home. Mm. Right? Mm. So the the, the ethics court is dealing with those issues of moral temptations and ethical dilemmas. It pricks people's conscience. It forces them to understand how you can rob the public without taking money from them, including yeah. robbing them by taking time. Because in many instances we don't recognize. That in fact, I have robbed the public by taking time from them. I didn't take any resource, but I took time. And that time is the time I was supposed to, to apply at work in order for a member of the public to be served. Yeah. So we have a caller, Dr. Mapulem Kachuangwenya. Good morning, Dr. Nguenya. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. You've got a question for the prof? Yes, prof, good morning. Hello. Hello, Mapule. How are you? No, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, mine is a comment instead of the exact question. One is to appreciate what the school of government is doing. I think it is long overdue. I fully agree with them. If you are in public, that means you must be multi-graded in terms of your knowledge, in terms of public administration. But then my comment and my consent is, some of us, like myself, I'm talking now based on myself. I've done the new gala. Uh, I, I've done it within two days. Wow. But then, my yes, I've done it within two days. My concern when I was doing it, I, I did that because I'm busy trying to apply for senior management posts. But my concern, I felt as if my qualification was undermined. Because most of the things, the reason why I did it within two days, most of the things is what I did. I recently passed my PhD in 2016, and I'm in public uh, I'm in public administration for 35 years this year. I'm in middle management for 15 years. So I thought people like us should be exempted for such, um, I'll say, assessment or evaluation strategy. Because one will feel, you're, um, I've got master, I've got doctorate in public admin, and now in Uganda, we are measured based on the same other people that have not even done the public administration. Hmm. I fully agree with them. In public, as a, like myself, there's no department I cannot manage. Because in public admin, we are capacitated across West part of it, I've done pro- uh, program and project management. So I am requesting in the uh, um, assessment, there's a questionnaire or a question or a comment. I've raised those concerns, but I, was, I didn't receive any response. And I'm also now requesting them to review that because really people like us who have got doctorate in public admin with those years of experience, you are feeling that your qualification is undermined. On the other side, we are sabotaged. When you are applying for posts, you spoke about cadre deployment. They will appoint other people, not appointing you one way. Thread two, you've got this qualification and this other one, they'll tell you the cadre. And this side, you're expecting to be exempted. It's another pain also. An arrow facing to your heart, being assessed like an ordinary person who doesn't even have a uh, public administration. I think, Prof, my question is just straightforward, straight to the point. 
and I'm not trying to attack anyone, but I think the, the, the consent needs to be raised at the right platform. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Dr. Nguenya. Do you want to respond, Prof? Yeah, no, look, this is a, 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 I mean, a, a, we are dealing with the challenges of the contemporary moment as many people are experiencing challenges when they are dealing with the public service. Just as much we can argue that it is very few people in the public service who, who, are, who are corrupt and the rest of them are, are ethical and professional and so on. We can also argue the same that there's many people in the public service who have qualifications both in terms of paper but also in terms of experience because that has carried a big weight uh, as well. The challenge though, and it's happening across the world, is an employer as a policy principle must standardize processes of filtering people onto the system. Mm. Once you make exemption on the basis of a qualification, tomorrow, if I use the language used, you will have a trader who has a paper but has not been examined through this filtering process. Mm. That is the risk. Now, you've taken two days to bring you again. Other people are taking five months. Someone from the private sector might even take six months because it forces them to go and take those things. You have an advantage, you pay your 280 rand to bring you together over the two, the two days. We have an advantage because we have studied those things, but it, the intention is not to undermine those who already have studied it because the majority of people will know the data is, is there. The majority of people take months and weeks to do so. I know someone who was a DG before, went outside, applied for a position to come back as a head of department and did Nugela within 48 hours. It is mm. expected that uh, working at that level, having worked for nine years at that level, you have to do it within five days anyway. Mm. Whereas many people take months because they force you to go and read those things. So the issue of making exem- ex- ex- exemptions or exceptions, the danger with it that we are now opening to a discretion of an individual mm. who in future may use that discretion to then do a favor for, 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 for someone else. Mm. That is why in cabinet, we don't get employed as a DC or a HOT in COVID unless you got weekend, regardless of whether or not you're already a professor of nuclear, of nuclear, nuclear physics. The assumption is that you have to move to the next level. We are coming for the first time into the system. And these are the minimum things that you need to know as a person who will be working as a senior uh, as, a, as a senior manager. Okay. In, even in banks, actually, the most qualified person who go and work for a bank in South Africa today, regardless of your qualification and experience, they will take you into their own academy where they do continuous professional development because part of this, these examinations are not just for certification or credentialising. They, they also add into the continuous professional development uh, process. So unfortunately, we wouldn't advocate as the NSG to do any exemption because downstream will not be able to control who is giving an exemption to me. Okay. Uh, Mr. Pillay in East London, you also have a question. Morning, Mr. Pillay. Uh, good morning, KG and uh, the props. No, mm. I don't have a question. You know, I'm actually, I was a director um, with the Department of Education in the Eastern Cape. Mm. But now, currently, I'm a member of parliament in the provincial assembly. Mm-hmm. You see, the topic you are bringing is, is extremely important. And, um, you know, I've been with the SAFM, but I did not hear much about NSG being brought to this particular topic, being brought to the public arena. I think appreciations for that. But what I want to say that, you know, you see, because even in the legislative sphere, we meet with the HODs every time. 
if you are working with the public sector, we deal with uh, how the HODs are managing their departments. What I want to say is that many other countries, I'm specifically talking about the head of departments, it's an administrative service which is a person to be qualified. He has to complete that competency test, not the competency test we are talking about currently being in SMS position, so that we can choose. You know, I am not against the cadre. I mean, a cadre deployment, I still agree on that. I don't have a problem. But what I'm saying is that even if the cadres are deployed, these cadres come through that kind of an examination process, then it would be better that because the person who is going to be appointed as an HOD, he has to manage the, the political sphere, the operational sphere. Mm. So that's another, that's another debate. But what I want to say is that NSC must bring a very specific program because most of the departments, we find that the, 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 the person who is dealing with the department as head of department may not have that broad dimension of thinking. He, he manages the things. That's not what we are looking because most of them are integrated departments. Mm. So I think at the moment, the syllabus, what they have, probably that program is not there. But it's very, very important that NSG to think that line. And that should be something like, you know, an eye of a needle. It should not be an examination, just a committed. It must be somebody who is capable to see the whole spectrum of things in a provincial sphere or a local sphere or whichever sphere it is. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Pillay. Let me also take you, Kobinte, in Bloemfontein. Good morning, Kobinte. Morning and morning to the prof. Mm. Um, My view is that we are not going to win this war of uh, building a developmental state until we bring hygiene to our politics. Uh, The problem is not about employees in the public service. But the problem is that the political environment doesn't allow the public servant to perform their function to the best of their ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we, the focus must be on training politicians to understand their responsibilities mm-hmm. as politicians, as public representatives. Mm-hmm. And that is where the problem is. Mm. Now, uh, what the prof is doing and the school of government is doing, they are not going to succeed. Mm. Uh, because we have, there is a, a universal agreement that South Africa has the, the, the best policies. Mm. But the problem is at the level of implementation. And uh, the problem is not about that we don't have capacity in the public safety. Capacity is there. Yeah. But the political environment is making it difficult. Yeah. To, for the public servant to perform their, their responsibilities. Yeah. Unfortunately, time is no longer on my side, but I think you've put your point across succinctly, Gobinte. Let's get a response to these callers from uh, Professor Ngaweni Prof. Yeah, no, uh, thank you. Uh, I think the two questions are almost uh, interrelated. Yes. One, as a National School of Government, ourselves, also in other programs working with universities we have partnered with, we've got training programs designed for uh, uh, elected uh, you know, public servants, those are MPs, MPLs, councillors, and so on. We also have programs for board members of SOEs and, 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 and so on. Now, importantly, on the programs we have for members of parliament, MPs and MPLs, including members of the executive, which is minister, MPs, and so on, there's a program on ethics, uh, which is designed specifically for them on ethical leadership and executive oversight, because in many cases, the clashes are because the minister or MEC says they were exercising executive oversight 
and the HOT says you were interfering. Mm. So we've got programs now that are being targeted at how we deal with issues of ethical leadership and executive oversight. For MPs and MPLs and the councillors, we must also invest in them as well in their own development. And the programs we have on advanced writing for MPs and MPLs and councillors on how to do research, on policy analysis, as well as on how to do oversight. Last year, we were training a group of MPLs from the Western Cape Legislature on finance or financial, financial managers. When I asked them why, they said, look, we want to, to hold you accountable. Therefore, we must understand how the PFNA system works and mm. the fiscal system works mm. so that we have the capacity to ask you the most critical questions on the basis of the best knowledge and information we have received through a training course. Yeah. We are available at the NSG. We've got a bouquet of programs targeted at everybody in the public sector except for members of the judiciary. Okay. Thank you, Prof, uh, for your time. Unfortunately, the time completely ran away with us. Uh, but I think uh, we got to the crux of uh, uh, the work that's being done by the head of the National School of Government and why uh, it's driving the agenda of the professionalizing of uh, public service. It's 11.01. It's time for the latest news and Musa standing by.